This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello. It is not Steve today. It is Jared Johnson. You guys, you guys are getting a full fill of Jared Johnson this week. Uh, with me as always, I guess for Thursday, is Mr. Raphael Johnson. And we are going to talk about what happened uh, last night. There was a lot of games last night. We're going to try to hit the most important pieces that happened. And I'm just going to lead us off tonight uh, with Milwaukee's first game without Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, he's out for the next couple of weeks for the health and safety protocols. And it was also the first game without Chris Middleton, who doesn't have an official timetable, but hyperextended knee likely going to miss a couple games here. And uh, we saw showing from Jordan Nuara, who actually uh, he had a he had a little bit of a spurt at the beginning of the season, and then completely fell off. He was basically out of the rotation, but he essentially started last night. There was this weird thing where Rodney Hood was supposed to start and then like he was announced as the starter and like two seconds into the game, he went back to the locker room. Rodney Hood checked back in later, but essentially uh, Jordan was the starter. He started the second half and he finished with 15 points, six rebounds, one assist, one triple, three steals, one block and one turnover across 27 minutes. I think that this is kind of what Jordan can do when given the opportunity, and he's going to have a ton of that over the next couple weeks with both Giannis and Chris Middleton missing in action. Uh, Anything you'd like to add to uh, Jordan last night? I agree with that completely. I I would like, off off topic, I'd like for the NBA to do something about these lineup announcements because if you're going to have partners like they do with DraftKings and FanDuel, you could probably throw us a bit of a bone in terms of the time frame <laughs> when teams announce starting lineups, because that can be a bit frustrating from a fantasy standpoint. But going back to war, I definitely agree with you there, because obviously Middleton down, Giannis down, he's going to have opportunities to score because they're going to need that scoring. He can be a bit inefficient at times, kind of a feels-like-leather guy where he's throwing it up no matter what. But he's got the potential to be a really good scoring piece for that team right now when they're shorthanded. I think he's got a higher ceiling than Rodney Hood for sure. There's also the injury factor with Hood that you have to take into consideration. So while I wouldn't rush out to grab Hood had he started and stayed in for the beginning of the game, I would kind of rush to get more right now. Yeah, it's it's like the production and triples and the defensive stats, which, which is really what drives his value. Uh, we also ha- saw a big game from Drew Holiday. We saw his usage spike to 31. He gets about a 12-point bump when Chris and Giannis are off the floor. And he finished with a season-high 14 dimes to go with a double-double of 26 points, 14 dimes, four boards, one steal, one three-pointer. And just two turnovers in his 33 minutes of play. Uh, I don't think there's too much more to say here other than, obviously, 
Drew Holiday is going to be the number one option moving forward, and he is going to um, have some great stat lines. Yeah, we got a reminder of how good he can be. I think people tend to overlook him offensively at times. Right, yeah, yeah. And he got off to a bit of a slow start this year, but he's really really, really starting to trend up uh, over the past couple weeks. Uh, moving on to the Atlanta game, uh, Cam Reddish, who is still only rostered in just 16% of Yahoo leagues, had another solid outing with 13 points, three boards, three triples, one assist, and one steal in 26 minutes off the bench. He continues to see increased opportunity with uh, Atlanta dealing with a lot of trouble on the wings. Do you think that he should be rostered in more than 16% of Yahoo leagues? I've finally come around on Cam Reddish. I think <laughs> if people have listened to this podcast enough, they know I haven't been the I haven't been the biggest fan of his supposed upside. You know, I, I've been more of a Kevin Herter guy uh, personally. I think he's a little bit more consistent. But yeah, you, you mentioned the, the injury issues that they have on the wings right now, and we saw Trey Young leave briefly due to a neck cramp. He came back into the game, but he didn't have to do much since they were up by a large amount at that point. But yeah. Reddish is a guy he should be rostered in more than 16% of Yahoo leagues, even if you have to, you know, drop him in a couple of weeks' time once they get back to full strength. Yeah. And then on the other end of the floor in that game, we finally, finally saw Mr. RJ Hampton get a start. It only took Jalen Suggs, Etwan Moore, and Gary Harris all going down with an injury, but we finally saw it. And he played well 15 points, four dimes, three triples, zero turnovers, and 27 minutes as a starter. Uh, do you think that this could be a sign of what's to come? Uh, or are we going to see RJ back in a bench role as soon as Suggs gets back? Yeah, I think he's going to be headed back to the bench. Uh, at most, he's a streamer right now, and even that comes with some risk because Cole Anthony had an off night, and I think that may have factored into Hampton's usage in terms of the opportunities with the ball in his hands. So it, when Anthony's on, he, he's going to go for his, and, and rightfully so. He's, clear, he's one of their best offensive options. I think he's their clear number one in terms of being able to go out and get his own shot. So, yeah, Hampton was encouraging last night, but I need to take more of a wait-and-see approach on him. Right. It's it's just frustrating to me because it's like, what what is Mosley doing? Because I, I just don't understand why he's prioritizing Gary Harris over, over RJ at this point. I mean, anyways, uh, it seems like, seems like he's going to kind of – maybe he'll show up over the second half. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. Um, but it's been slow going. Uh, Terrence Ross, fourth solid game in a row, despite going 0-5 from distance. Uh, he still had a solid game, double figures and points and such. Over the past four, he has scored uh, 18. He has put in 18 points, four boards, 3.8 dimes, 1.5 triples, uh, 1.3 steals, 0.5 swats, and two turnovers on 40% shooting from the field and 96% at the stripe. Now, do you think that this is something that you would go to the waiver wire and get him, or are you just kind of admiring from a distance? I think I'm more admiring from a distance. Yeah. I'm going to mess up this saying brutally, but it's like a tiger. Can a tiger really change its stripes? That's what. That's the saying. <laughs> okay. He's really been like a points and three-pointers guy throughout, you know, in recent years. For him to have seven boards and eight assists, if you have him, you certainly take that as a bonus. But I think you understand at this point that you shouldn't be relying on that type of production on a consistent basis from him. 
Right. Yeah. It's kind of just enjoy it while you have it. If you happen to pick them up for the week, uh, but don't be too attached to this guy because uh, there's, I mean, we were just talking about RJ. I just went like Terrence Ross is the guy who's in his way. Uh, moving on to Miami, Dwayne Dedman had another solid evening with a double-double and two steals. Uh, Bam Adebayo is going to miss at least another three to five weeks. Dedman has been inconsistent as a starter, but valuable overall. What is he rostered in? He's at 34%, which is way too low given his current role. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, three to five weeks uh, for for Bam Adebayo, it's just he's going to be the starter. He's going to be logging heavy minutes. He might be a little bit inconsistent, but he's providing steady value. I think that I think that you're right that that number should be far higher than, than 34%. Uh, a guy that I'm less sure about, he uh, popped off for a career-high 26 points to go with seven triples. Uh, and a win over Philly, Mr. Gabe Vincent. It was his third straight start with Jimmy Butler missing his fourth straight game due to that tailbone issue. I think he's missed nine of the past eight. Eight of the past nine. Eight of the past nine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> over the past three, Gabe Vincent is posting averages of 14.7 points, five dimes, three triples, 1.3 steals, uh, 0.7 swats, and 3.3 turnovers on 50% shooting. This is another guy who could be kind of on the deep league radar. What are your thoughts on, on Gabe Vincent, Raph? He's like a diet Cody Martin in terms <laughs> of recent production. And the fact that Cody didn't have a point guard, not necessarily in his way, but to take up that usage, like LaMelo Ball being out, so Martin had the ball in his hands quite often. Vincent's still playing next to Kyle Lowry. So he's having more opportunities to score. He's done some distribution as well. He, I think he's a definite streamer right now for me. At minimum, if you're playing DFS, he's a good low-cost guy. I had him in my lineup last night. So Gabe Vincent's a guy that I really think people should be targeting in the short term. It's just a matter of when Jimmy Butler will come back. He's been questionable the last two games and then ruled out. So who knows what's happening there and when he'll be back in the fold. The tailbone issue is, is a bit annoying, but hey, yeah. Jimmy Butler, this is who he is. He, he always misses stretches of games, but... Uh, the fact that he has been questionable the past two uh, kind of tells us that he is a little bit on the cusp of a turn of a return. Uh, you know what it's time for? It is time for an ad read, Mr. Raphael. Nice. Let's go. <laughs> uh, Let's pay those bills. Give the gift of NBC Sports Edge Plus this holiday season. Get 15% off annual subscriptions when you use code HOLIDAY15 at checkout. Now, this offer turns to Cole. That is not Cole Anthony nor J. Cole. It's the bad kind that the fat man leaves you on December 31st. So visit NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus today. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters 
both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Moving on to New Orleans, we saw Devontae Graham, who had been in a single-digit stinker slump, uh, kind of came out of it. He still shot only 35.7% from the field. Uh, but he finished with 15 points, five triples, four boards, eight dimes, and a steal. We all know the, the warts that Graham has. He's, he's not going to be an effective scorer. Uh, but I do think that, you know, I have him in one league this year, and, and he has been providing reliable value with the dimes, specifically the dimes, uh, higher than I was expecting, and the three-point shooting. And, and he, he is occasionally offering some steals here and there. Uh, can you get past the, the awful shooting of Devontae Graham, or would you rather just uh, have someone else deal with them? I can, personally. You know, the reasons that you mentioned. You know, first and foremost, that was one of the wildest finish I've ever, finishes I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> uh, that game. But, um, yeah, I think you're obviously not going to look at Devontae Graham as your primary point guard on a fantasy team. Uh, if you're doing that, your team is probably in a lot more trouble than you want to admit to yourself. But if you have him as like a second or even third guy on third point guard on your roster, I don't think he can do too much harm because you can have enough talent on your team to kind of make up for the low field goal percentage. And uh, again, on the other side of the floor, we saw Kenrich Kenrich Williams show up uh, with five triples, seventeen points, six boards, three dimes and two steals. Now, that line may seem impressive until you look at his game log. <laughs> you see that he does this every now and again, uh, but he is he is incredibly inconsistent. The previous two games, he had scored a total of two points, uh, which included a, a scoreless outing. Do you, feel, do you feel any different about Williams than I do? No, I, I love Kenny Hustle, but yeah, but outside of Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy, I really don't want anything to do with any Thunder players from a fantasy standpoint. Like Jeremiah Robinson Earl may get there at some point in the second half, but other than that, no. Like Williams had a really good night against a former team, and that's pretty much what I'm chalking it up to being. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Speaking of SGA, he had he had a solid stat line, but again was inefficient. What was it? It was forty uh, percent from the floor. This was always kind of my concern with SGA in OKC and just the lack of spacing there. I mean, so what he did last season in the limited games he did play, he shot like fifty percent or something. Uh, that was blew my mind, and now we're kind of seeing what I was always scared of. He's shooting forty point nine percent on a high volume 17.9 field goal attempts. And uh, he's also attempting a career high 6.4 uh, three pointers per game, but he's connecting on a very subpar 30.5% of those. He's never quite been a three point shooter. Do you think that he can get back to being that 
uber efficient scorer or is this kind of who he's going to be this season? I think it's who he's going to be because you, you look around him, there really aren't too many consistent spacers in terms of perimeter shooting on that roster. So, you know, that maybe Mike Muscala, but how much is he going to play, especially once they admit to themselves that they have no chance of going to the playoffs this year and they have to play those younger players. Like Jeremiah, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he can potentially be that type of spacing big, but he was over four from three last night. So I kind of feel like this is what we're going to get this season from SGA. And, and the tough thing about it, like you mentioned, he's averaging over six three-point attempts per game. He shot it well last year, but that was only like four and a half, five attempts per game. So I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot to like, but you have to accept with that the inefficient shooting. Yeah, it just seems like he's settling a lot more this year. Um, maybe they just wanted him to work on his three-point shot, but you know, it's a work in progress, clearly, and that's that's seriously affecting his efficiency. Moving on to Charlotte, we saw P.J. Washington continue to play well despite the return of uh, Mason Plumley. Uh, let me just pull up his stat line really quick. He had uh, 12 points on 71.4% shooting, nine boards, seven dimes, two triples, and two blocks in 29 minutes. Um, do you think that this is something that he can keep doing despite Mason Plumley being in the rotation? I do. Um, it's a bit of a change for him in role. You know, he's playing primarily that starting center role last season. Now being on that second unit, I think there are some matchups that he can take advantage of on a nightly basis. And I think he can give you solid value off the bench. Will it be like high-level bigs? No, but I don't think you need that across the board on your entire roster. So I definitely think he can be effective. Um, and We'll see what happens with Plumlee because he's still got to kind of work himself into shape. He's missed like about a month of action. So I wouldn't expect him to take up too many of the minutes that that Washington was getting while he was out. Yeah, I, I just don't see why the allure with Mason Plumlee. Um, I'm just checking. To, Charlotte is a playoff team, so I suppose he's pretty much locked in as a starter. He's better when with LaMelo Ball is in the lineup just because he can getting that two-man game and catch some lobs and whatnot. But when they don't have him, I think that's where his value takes a hit. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we saw an explosion from the Ant-Man on Wednesday night. He hit 14 of 21 shots, 10 of 14 from distance. My Lord, 38 points, 10 triples, five boards, one assist, one steal, one block, and just two turnovers in uh, a blowout win over the Denver Nuggets. He continues to have an incredible season. I am very jealous that I didn't draft this man in, in more places. Basically just building off that incredible second half run we saw last year. And he's uh, putting up top 34 numbers on the year. Anything that you want to add to to Mr. Ant-Man? Nah, he was outstanding last night, but I think a small part of it, we have to look at that Denver backcourt, which I'm sure we'll do at some point, and they were ill-equipped to defend him last night. And credit to him, you still have to make the shot. So, yeah. Uh, moving right along to Los Angeles, uh, who are still without Paul George. Uh, we saw Marcus Morris drop in a team-high 24 points to go with two triples, eight boards, two assists, and two turnovers uh, across 32 minutes. 
And we also saw Isaiah Hartenstein continue to play well off the bench with, um, I think, Serge Ibaka is in quarantine. He got it done with 15 points, five boards, one assist, one steal, two blocks, and two turnovers uh, in his time off the bench. Uh, Hardenstein is rostered in just 14% of Yahoo leagues, and Marcus Morris is at 45%. Do you think that those numbers should be higher for either of those guys? I think for Morris, definitely, especially while Paul George is out, is he's been playing pretty well of late. I, I think he's had like 20 or more in like, what, three of his last four games or something to that effect. Um, he's been scoring the ball well, uh, been efficient in doing so. Hartenstein... I'm not so sure of maybe a deep league ad, but you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see how committed Ty Lue is to, to fitting Serge Ibaka in the rotation. I think Hartenstein's played well enough all season long to where it was going to be difficult for Ibaka to get in um, under normal circumstances. You know, we saw him take that trek down to the G League to get some minutes because of how well Hartenstein and Ivica Zubats were playing. So I'm worried about kind of the veterans' leeway being given to Ibaka once he comes back. And they try to kind of pitch shoehorn him into the rotation no matter what. So that's why I'm a bit hesitant on Hartenstein. Yeah, I think, I mean, Hartenstein is clearly more of a deep league guy. But the, what, what he's doing with, like, the defensive stats and his ability, like, he only dunks. So it's like a field goal percentage boosting situation. Uh, you know, I feel like it's a little bit more valuable in roto leagues where you're just constantly building those stats up over time. But certainly on the radar, I had him in one of our Roto Leagues, and I I cut him and uh, regret that marginally. (laughs) Uh, We saw last night Jordan Clarkson had an efficient game for once, 21 points on 8 of 14 shooting. Clarkson is having kind of an awful season, Uh, 14.9 points on 38.1% shooting from the floor. Uh, we saw him go through cold patches last year, but this season's been mostly a cold patch. Do you think that he can turn it? Do you think, like, he's rostered in 76% of leagues. Do you do you think that that's too high? I do. For me, he feels a lot like Terrence Ross in terms yeah. of you know what, what you're going to get. And, like, he had four rebounds and three assists last night, and that feels like kind of a groundbreaking event. <laughs> You know, but he's he's very valuable to that rotation in Utah. You know, they're encouraging to keep shooting, which is good for him, but it's not exactly great if you have him rostered because of the percentages and the fact that you take a hit there. But, man, I don't, I don't know. I think that 76% is, is too high given the way in which he's performed throughout the course of the season thus far. Yeah, he's just absolutely crushing your field goal percentage on a, on a high volume. So quite unfortunate there. Uh, time to pay some bills, Raph. We are headed down the backstretch of the NFL season, and the NBC Sports Predictor app, powered by PointsBet, has you covered on Sunday night. We're giving you a shot to win $1 million every Sunday night through the rest of the regular season. It is free to play, easy to use. So predict what will happen between the Saints and Bucks for a chance to win $1 million. Download the app from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now, moving on to Memphis, since my beloved King Ja Morant had hit the sidelines with the sprained left knee, the Grizzlies have somehow managed to go 9-1, and one, uh, guided by some impressive play from Desmond Bain, who had another solid outing on, on uh, Wednesday. He dropped in 23 points on 13 shots. Love that efficiency. He had a full stat line. And um, since Jaw went down, Bain has actually been providing top 25 value behind averages of 17.7 points, 5.6 rebounds, 2.9 dimes, 3.1 triples, 1.1 steals, 0.7 swats, and just uh, 1.4 turnovers per contest on 46.5% shooting from the field and 93.3 at the stripe. There is a lot to like with those numbers. He is... He's doing a little bit of everything. He is not hurting you anywhere. Uh, anything you would like to say about Mr. Desmond Bain or the Grizzlies in general in this post-jaw atmosphere? I have two things. One, Desmond Bain is one of the most improved players in the NBA. Um, it kind of sh- shows the value of, of Memphis cleaning up that rotation you know, where they had him, Grace Now, and then De'Anthony Melton last season. So cleaning that up has really helped. Secondly, I saw someone tweet last night that Memphis being nine and one without John Morant is a sign that he's been kind of pulling them down. No, that might no, be one of the no, most, no, I, hey, no. <laughs> that might be one of the more asinine statements I've seen on social media this season, which is uh, to say a lot because you tend to see a lot of things. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, on social media, like I get the whole the negative net rating and whatnot, but. You cannot put a, a number on the gravity that John Morant has when he's on the floor. And teams have to account for him. So I don't want to hear any of that nonsense about how he's been holding them back and, and you know they don't need him all of a sudden. Just, just please think before you tweet. Like, that's all I ask. <laughs> and seriously, like Memphis is 18 and 11. Uh, they were playing well exactly. with Jaw there. Um, and... <laughs> Like, come on. Like, if if you tweeted that, you haven't watched John Morant. (laughs) This is like one of the most electrifying players in the game today. Mm -hmm. One of my personal favorite point guards. 
how dare they? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to get that off my chest. <laughs> and um, Tyus Jones has also played incredibly well. Um, so that's that's also another point. You know, Tyus Jones is Jaws backup, but he's kind of like a low end starter on some teams. So uh, I think that's important to realize. You see, Slow Mo put up a massive line last night. 13, 11, three assists, three steals, and two blocks. He's getting it done. He is getting it done. Uh, yeah, so just a lot, a lot of good going on in Memphis. But uh, let's not let's not uh, disparage Jaw while we while we enjoy what's happening over in Portland. Yusuf Nurkic had yet another game without a block. Um, we are twenty nine games into the season. This man's in his NBA prime at twenty seven years old. But he's averaging 0, 0. 0.5 blocks on the year, which I, I felt like was impossible. And I just don't really understand what's happening here. Uh, maybe you could shed some light on this, or are you as equally confused as I am? I think there's some scheme confusion in Portland in terms of their defensive scheme. Like They were poor defensively with Terry Stotts, the head coach. They played a lot of drop coverages, so maybe that had something to do with Nurkic being able to get blocked shots around the basket. What they're trying to do now, I don't really know because they're still bad and, you know, they've had injuries and whatnot. So it's like, what's going on here? Like, I, I think, I don't know if it's a scheme situation or a personnel issue with regard to guys being missing or they just need to kind of blow things up. I don't know. Right. I hope he's going to get to one block per game, but I don't really know if it's going to happen given the way things have gone thus far. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Like it's, it just seems like it might be a scheme scheming issue because that it's, it's a career low, but it's a career low that, you know, he, he usually averages at least one. So it's just like kind of insane. Uh, but you know, he is getting it done in the other areas. So it's, it's not like, it's not a deal breaker by any stretch. Yeah, he's not been a complete bust, and he is getting one point one steals per game. But uh, I would prefer I would prefer some more blocks from that man. Um, Norman Powell finally is adding some diversity to his stat lines. Uh, he had another game last, a uh, good game last night, and over the past five, he has been flirting with top seventy five value behind averages of twenty three point six points, three assists, two point four triples, one point two steals and three turnovers per game on 43% shooting from the field and 83.9 at the stripe. Uh, do you feel like this is sustainable, a sign of what's to come, or do you think he could shrink up any time now? I think it's sustainable for as long as C.J. McCollum is out uh, with the lung issue. Who knows how long he's going to be out, but um, yeah, I, I think Powell can definitely build on what he's done recently. The question is, once they have Dame and C.J. on the floor as well, what happens then? I think that's the big question. But if you got them, you kind of want to ride the hot hand, so to speak. Yeah, it's definitely created like more playmaking opportunities, just just general touches for him with someone like CJ being off the floor. So that's definitely a good point to consider. Bradley Beal is starting to heat up in December. Over the past five, he is averaging 25.8 points, 4.2 rebounds, and 5.4 assists per contest on 52% shooting. Uh, that's the good. Unfortunately, over that stretch, he's also averaging just 1.2 triples, 0.6 steals, and 3.2 turnovers, which isn't great when you're only at 5.4 dimes. 
Uh, but little bits of improvement, signs of progress. Uh, do you have any anything to add to to what's going on with Bradley Beal this season? I'm not really sure. Like the last two weeks, the free throw shooting has been an issue. Shooting 68.4%. And obviously, you know, those of you who follow basketball know that that's nowhere near what Bradley Beal is capable of in the foul line. So I think with Washington, there have been a lot of moving parts, you know, with the, the trade that they made, the Russell Westbrook trade during the offseason. And you've had guys in and out of the lineup. Most recently, Kyle Kuzma missing those two games to the health and safety protocols. So maybe that's got something to do with it. I think it'll round in the form eventually, but yeah, there have been some frustrating, you know, numbers that he's put up this far. And his free throw, he's down to 4.4 attempts this season. Uh, He was at 7.7 and eight in the last two years. So just another issue. It's just a weird, just a weird year for Beal, but I'm pleasantly surprised to see these little, Little bits of progress. A guy that I think that you absolutely need to sell high on is Daniel Gafford. Uh, he had an okay game last night. Uh, but I just don't think that this guy is is realistically a starter. I think he's starting on a team uh, that doesn't have a ton of great options. Trez is better off the bench. But he's only getting uh, just barely over 20 minutes a game in, in this starting role. Uh, and I just think that you need to unload him before Thomas Bryant gets back into the mix, because even if Thomas Bryant is getting minutes in the teens, that could also put Gafford in the teens, which will make it extremely tough for him to be able to uh, have relevant fantasy value. So do you feel any differently about Gafford? Do you feel like it's we need to get off this sinking ship? Yeah, I think we do, because you mentioned Bryant. There's also Rui Hachimura. Yeah, obviously, he's not a center, but it's like you have the power forward in, in center spots. Someone's most likely going to be completely out of that rotation once the Wizards are whole. I don't think it'll be Gafford, but, you know, someone guys are going to take hits even if they are sticking in the rotation. So, yeah, I'm with you there. If you can move him now for a more secure option, I would do so. Yeah, I completely agree. And perhaps after his next big shot blocking performance you float out some offers since alvin gentry has taken over De'Aaron fox has gone from ranking outside the top 150 to being a top 45 stud averages of 23.5 points 4.2 boards 3.9 dimes 1.1 triples 1.4 steals and just 2.4 turnovers per game on 51 percent shooting from the field and a 78.8 percent from the stripe uh, do you see, do you think that he can improve on these numbers? Uh, maybe he can get up those dimes numbers, although there are a ton of playmaking point guards on this roster. Where do you see him going? I think this is about as good as it's going to get. So long as Tyrese Halliburton and, and then Davion Mitchell, we saw make a spot start last night. As long as those guys are also available, I think the assists are going to kind of stay the same because they're going to need Fox to be more of a scorer with that first unit. So you definitely like what you see here since the coaching change in terms of the pace that the Kings have been playing at. But I'm not expecting him to show up like he did like the last month of last season. Right, right. Hmm. I kind of do think he could. Well, I, I'm, it's, I think it's the dimes that gives me the biggest pause just because – can he do that? I don't know. Because maybe the scoring could get up 
closer, like even possibly 30, but yeah, he just, he just, I just don't see the dimes really getting to seven ish. And that's kind of where he, where he would need to be to really make that jump. Yesterday, we also saw another player go into quarantine. It was Marvin Bagley, uh, which allowed Chemezi Metu to get back into the rotation. And while he only logged 17 minutes, he still finished with 13 points, seven boards, two triples, uh, and a steal and a block. Metu continues to put up numbers whenever he's given the opportunity, pretty much. And with uh, Marvin Bagley expected to miss roughly the next two weeks, unless he's able to post two consecutive negative PCR tests. Do you think that Metu is a guy that you can gamble on in deep leagues? Go get. Yeah, I look at him like I did Cam Reddish early in the podcast where I've come around now. I wasn't big on him a couple weeks ago, but yeah, I'm still confused as to why Alex Len is playing so many minutes. But yeah, that is a strange one. (laughs) I think the concern with Len and Tristan Thompson logging the minutes that they have been it's kind of alleviated with Bagley out of the lineup. So, you know, you're in a deeper league and you want to take a, a shot on Metsu. I don't really see much of an issue with it right now. Yeah. Yeah. I just really like his stats at potential because he's able to kind of uh, give you triples and the defensive stats and some boards. Um, and especially if, it, if he's able to get maybe another spot start or something, that's when you really want to look at him as a streamer or perhaps a DFS option. So that takes care of a very busy slate of games. We tried to cover all the important tidbits and a little bit under-rostered players. Uh, Is there any final word you would like to take us out with, Mr. Raphael? I didn't come prepared with a special shout-out this week, so (laughs) I I think I'm done. Oh, actually, no, I would shout-out Jackson State head football coach Deion Sanders for Hey, you know, in the top ranked recruit in the class of 2022 yesterday. There it is. Some people are big mad about it, but I absolutely love it. So good, <laughs> good for Coach Prime and good for Jackson State. Prime time. I like it. All right. That'll do it for us today. Uh, we will catch you tomorrow with a different host. Uh, and uh, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend as we head there. Adios, everyone. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.